Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com, on social media, or you can support our community. You can find out more details at workerbeing.com slash community. So today we're going to be talking about sleep and energy. I'm really excited about this article. Pretty straightforward. But before we dive in, Katina, how has your sleep been lately? Hmm. A very good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like I probably could get a little more sleep, although I would say most nights I get at least six hours, somewhere between like six and seven, usually airing towards six, which I don't think is like terrible. Um, and on the weekend, I catch up on sleep, which I know you're not supposed to be able to do. But I yeah. feel <laughs> that I sort of do it and it kind of works. But I've always been like that. So for whatever reason, it kind of works for me a little bit. I don't know why. Um, but when I do sleep, I am very asleep for the most part. Unless like I have a cold or like something else is going on or like, I don't know, mostly or I had too much caffeine that day. Sometimes that can keep me up a little bit or make me like wake up here and there. But for the most part, when I'm asleep, I'm like a little log. I'm just out and <laughs> um, pretty, pretty like sound sleeper. So I would say maybe the quality of my sleep is okay, but the quantity of my sleep could use some work. Um, what about you? Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm not surprised that you don't get a full eight hours given how early you wake up. Um, you're so early, which was late. never so the case in Arizona. Yeah. It's like you to Arizona. You're like, you know what? Now I'm suddenly going to be up at 5am like a early cat. bird. I'm listening <laughs> to all the owls in the morning. I'm like akin with the birds of the desert. That's amazing. But, um, yeah, for me, I think quantity wise, generally I'm like in bed for a good solid eight hours. Like I couldn't do six hours of sleep and really function, but I'm not a, as heavy of a sleeper, I think as you are. Um, I tend to, my quality of sleep I think is decent, but I'll probably, I feel like I sleep solidly for like five hours and then I tend to have a few wake ups and mostly it's my fault because we have too many pets. <laughs> yeah. I was just we, thinking that. <laughs> yeah and we like don't I mean this is like probably what every doctor would recommend us not to do but we don't like block them from like cuddling and most of the time that's not a problem but every once in a while like a cat will like sleep on my foot in a way that my foot just like goes numb and then I can't move it because I'm also like never want to move them <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm just like trapped in like a numb foot with a cat on it or like the dog will like weirdly like push on me and then I end up kind of dangling halfway off the bed. So I definitely do stupid things to make it worse. Um, most of the time it's fine though because like generally speaking we have enough room on our bed like we have a big king size bed and the cats are tiny so gen they're not and they're not always on the bed with us but they tend to come over in the morning like at six or six thirty and like join us and that wakes me up and then I fall back asleep so I could probably not disrupt my own sleep better but overall I feel like my sleep's fine it's sufficient I don't feel by the time I get up I don't feel groggy I've like so I think I'm getting enough sleep um but I definitely have like a weird 
mourning where animals are involved. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I mean, I understand that you're saying that it's, like, stupid. But it's not stupid, necessarily. It's just that you love them so much that you just want yes. them to be comfy and you want them near you. And I just, I love the cuddles. That's, like, the best thing to me about having a pet is, like, when they just want to cuddle with you. And so... yeah. I can't, I can't say no because I'm like, well, if I say no now, will they just never want to cuddle with me again? So, <laughs> I'm not willing to take the risk. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, well, I think that even though you do have a menagerie and maybe it's compromising your sleep, it might be doing other things for you. You did mention that we're going to be talking about energy. So my guess is that they're not uh, thinking about the counterbalancing effects of pets and their snuggles, <laughs> but uh, but I no. am curious <laughs> no. uh, to hear more about kind of, I'm curious how what we both shared aligns with what the article would say is actually helpful. Well, spoiler alert, sleep quality does matter, but the uh, sleep duration doesn't as much, which is kind of goes along with what you deal with. So as you're having good sleep quality, that's actually much more important than mm. duration. So let me give you the takeaways. Um, and some of this, I will say that some of the takeaways here are, it's this study kind of like combined a bunch of topics and content areas around sleep. So like we've talked about some of these things before, but not all of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, I think it was a really useful article, but pretty straightforward, as I mentioned in terms of takeaways. So the first thing, super easy just for us to understand that energy in general declines as the day goes on. Obvious. I think most of us know that. Um, takeaway number one, takeaway number two, it does vary by chronotype, which we have an episode about that, that I'll link to, but mm-hmm. it's really important to understand your chronotype to know how your energy is going to function throughout the day. Takeaway number three, when employees have low sleep quality, um, the energy over the day doesn't change, meaning you're kind of at a consistently lower energy. Hmm. In other words, if you have high sleep quality, you tend to have an extra boost of energy in the morning and then it declines again. Okay. Gotcha. And um, then... So you're oh, just kind sorry. of... Two more takeaways. I, okay. I was just going to reiterate. So like, yeah. I guess for that one, just to make sure I'm understanding, like if your sleep quality is bad, you would have better sleep... You would have better energy um, even though there are shifts in your energy. You have more energy on the whole if you have better sleep quality. But if you have not as great sleep quality, it stays kind of low quality all day. Yeah. Your energy just okay. kind of stays the same. Yep. Um, okay. So then the fourth takeaway, autonomy at work helps um, flatten the decrease of energy throughout the day. Mm. So basically, if you have a lot of autonomy, you're not going to see that same dip um, as you go through the day. And then the final thing is that the benefit of good sleep quality um, fades on days when your workload is really high. Okay. So like basically your sleep quality cannot um, counteract the impact of a really, really high workload day. Gotcha. So um, autonomy seems useful. Lots mm-hmm. of work that's insurmountable seems not useful, but I'm curious to learn more. Yeah. So um, let's break it down a little bit. So basically this study uh, was a daily diary study. It was looking at all these things. So the whole concept behind it was, hey, we know chronotype matters. We know like people's circadian rhythms and, you know, what their tendencies 
or preferences are matters to energy. But we also know that there's these concepts of sleep quality and sleep duration that impact people's energy at work. And then on top of that, we know that things detract from your energy, like, you know, having a lot of work or not having autonomy at work. So these are all things that we're fairly aware of already. And so this study was like, let's put them all together and understand what matters the most Mm. and what should we really be focusing on when it comes to our sleep and having, you know, maintaining our energy throughout the day. I think that's super helpful because a a lot of times I feel like people read so many different articles or different tips or different, and like, it's kind of impossible to do everything. So understanding what to prioritize if you have to pick something, I, I think is super helpful. Yeah, I completely agree. And so I think just to kind of break it down, chronotype is number one. So when you look at the study, that is the most impactful on your energy throughout the day. So I would encourage anybody that's interested to listen to our episode on that or read our article about that, because that is going to have the biggest sway. Your energy is always going to be strongest at the time of day that you your kind of body naturally wants to be energetic. Um, So for those early birds, you wake up, you're going to be like, woohoo, let's tackle the day. Got all this energy and it's going to decline over the day. If you're more of a night owl, you're probably going to have a slower start and then you'll have a, a peak of energy later in the day before it declines again. So that is the number one predictor of what your energy levels are going to be like. So I think that's an important, you know, point is to figure out what that looks like and for organizations to provide flexibility to folks um, to, you know, maybe adjust their day based on some of their energy, right? Like maybe not having meetings at certain times where you know you're going to be exhausted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, um, so there are some things that we can do to sort of tailor around. um, But then I'm guessing there are other things that are a little bit harder to change, particularly I'm thinking about like quality and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think chronotype, I think is one big piece. And, you know, we tend to be a society that kind of prefers those early risers. Um, So figuring out how to be flexible around that and organizations figuring out how to be flexible around that is helpful. When it comes to things like duration and sleep quality, those are harder to change. Uh, you know, duration, trying to get yourself in bed at a normal time, I guess, is something to do, right? And figuring out, calculating how many hours you need. But the good news from a duration perspective is that it doesn't really impact energy as much in this study. It does. And I think the previous work that we've covered on this as well has also found that duration is less important. Quality is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if you only get like two hours of sleep, you can't really have great sleep quality either. Right. Right? They're related to each other. But focusing on quality is more important. So focusing on like all the tips that we've talked about in the past, like turning off screens at a certain time, giving, you know, really disconnecting a few hours before bed. Those types of things are going to help your sleep quality. Um, Maybe if you're not like me, don't let all your pets sleep in the bed with you. Um, (laughs) Whatever it is uh, to help you sleep better, like figuring that out is important because that the sleep quality does predict energy. Um, And in in particular, it does predict that you're going to have that, that boost right up front in the morning. Mm hmm. So, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I guess particularly because, you know, you're talking about chronotypes and people being more early birds or night owls or whatever, um, that you have 
uh, sort of some ability to tailor or flex around and maybe thinking about workplaces doing more of that. But I would think that if you're a chronotype that's not usually energetic in the morning, it might make an extra difference if you wake up with that burst of energy, if that's not something that you're inclined to have on your own. I don't know if that's something that they talked about, but I would imagine that it could be particularly useful if that's not your normal state. Yeah, they didn't actually look at that interaction, which I think is probably a miss that could have been really interesting to see. Um, But I agree, like it's not going to hurt you if you get better sleep quality and likely you'll get up that additional boost. And whether it's in the morning or maybe maybe the boost actually is more aligned with your chronotype. Either way, you're going to have that sleep quality is going to help you. Um, so definitely pay attention to it. And before I talk about autonomy, I do want to talk about sleep quality and workload because that was the one relationship that I think was a little bit more complex in this study. Hmm. Um, because it's really, it's really important when it you know, to understand how sleep quality impacts workload. And I think, you know, overall you see high sleep quality, you get that extra boost of energy, but you know, what happens when you have these other things happening in your life? So like talking about sleep isn't the only thing that matters, right? Because how well you sleep might not, uh, really may not play out in your favor if there's other things that are kind of trying to hurt you. And in this study, Uh, They looked at a couple different things, but the only thing that really came out was workload. And so when workload is really, really high, even if you had a great night's sleep the night before, you're going to lose that benefit and you're going to drain energy faster um, than, you know, if you didn't have that high workload. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because, and I have been guilty of this before too, if people have a super stressful day or there's a lot on their plate and then they go home and like, I know that they, you know, had... I I guess I'm mixing a little bit the disconnection in the sleep literature, but like I know that they were able to sort of take some time to unwind and they got a good night's sleep. Like I would think then that they would wake up the next morning and be like, okay, great. Like let's go. But it seems like if there's these repeated days of lots of work where it's sort of insurmountable, that that's not actually a solution to the problem. The only solution to the problem sounds like directly lessening the amount of work that people are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and it really, they were looking at like how, if I had good sleep quality, what does my next day look like in terms of energy? And so it's less about like, I had a high workload and then I got good sleep and then I'm ready to go. It's more like I had great sleep. You know, the way that the, the they described the, the relationship was I had good sleep. I show up at work with some energy. My workload is really high. I immediately crash. I'm down. Like, it's almost like, oh, wow, I have more things on my plate than I could possibly manage. So now that energy that I start, I was, could have started off with is already kind of declined faster mm. than I can um, keep up with the work. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So, yeah. So I think, um, I think that that's a good takeaway because just because you know that someone was able to spend some time away from work, resting, sleeping, whatever, um, that doesn't mean that you can just keep throwing things at them. And I think I think that is a common misconception that if you come into your day mm-hmm. refreshed from a good night's sleep that you can tackle anything. But it seems like that's a myth. Yeah, it does seem like it's a myth. And I think that's a really good call out because I do think 
that is something we tend to do. We tend to think, okay, well, we got a lot of rest. We had a long weekend. Everyone's refreshed. Let's just, let's like really push it this week. And it's like, no, they're still going to, energy still going to decline very quickly. And you can't to the go against your point earlier, you can't really make up on that sleep in the same way or that make up on that exhaustion in the way that people think you can. Um, So you just need to manage your workload. I mean, you, whether or not you can, but leadership organizations need to manage workload regardless of how well they allow people to disconnect in the evenings or on the weekends because they're still going to run out of energy, run out of steam and potentially push them into the burnout phase. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good takeaway because um, I also see that I don't want to, I know we've talked about generational differences before and I don't want to like call that out (laughs) here, but like I do see a lot of people in, you know, generations ours now starting and above um, where they complain about like young people taking time after work to do other things or, and so like, I think that the, I think that the idea that, well, if they're going to like take time to do whatever, then I can work them to the bone here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's something that I hear sometimes, which is like, oh, well, you know, when I was coming up, we were, we did not have nearly as much time to ourselves or like I never slept or I And so like, then I think there's this like retributional, like, well, but when you're here, then like you better just like go all out. Um, and I think it's important for people yeah. to realize that that's a recipe for burnout. Yeah, completely. Totally agree. And I think um, I also want to rem- remind, as you're saying, some of our generation, like as millennials are getting older, yeah. please remember that you did not feel that way when you were in your 20s and you didn't want to be working that hard just because you now maybe have children or have all these other priorities and things that are happening in your life that make it even more stressful. Like we do see mm-hmm. that people kind of in midlife just have a lot of pressures on them outside of just work. Don't then be like, oh, well, those people have so much time, so <laughs> well, they can obviously do more. No, not necessarily. And they also haven't lived as long and coped with this kind of stress. So they can't manage it the same way that maybe someone that's been through it has been able to manage it. So I think we just have to remember that, you know, think about, try to remember what you were actually like in that phase of your life yeah, (laughs) and not what you think you were like, because we definitely think we're different than we were. Totally. And I'm just hearing more and more people around our age being like, the person I manage, they're young and they don't want to do anything. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. Because as we know with the generational (laughs) research, it's like not really about your generation. It's just about like, as people get older, they get crabby about the generation below them. And that's just like happened forever over time. (laughs) So I'm like starting to hear it now with people around our age talking about the younger generation and how they're like spoiled and they don't know how to work hard. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, So anyway, sleep is, (laughs) is not a luxury that... You should begrudge people, but also it doesn't even appear to be a thing that overcomes the bad stuff that people get exposed to. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm just going to do one more side note for the millennials out there. Like we were complaining about this about, you know, five, six, 10 years ago about people's perceptions of us. So like, let's try to remember that. Let's try. (laughs) But anyways, enough on that. (laughs) Um, but when we go to the sleep piece, yes. Yeah, so you're right. Like sleep, high sleep quality doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to have energy and a high workload can just basically demolish that. Um, but then one thing that's super exciting is the autonomy side of things. So as I had mentioned earlier, autonomy 
really impacts your energy. And having high autonomy just kind of flattens that decrease of energy throughout the day, which means like regardless of your sleep quality, like basically if you think about sleep, when you look across all people, all chronotypes, it still kind of, you know, goes up during the day at some point, you know, peaks are different and then it declines, right? That curve gets flattened when you have a lot of autonomy in your job. And they specifically looked at autonomy um, in a planning sense. So autonomy in planning Hmm. your day. And that is huge. So if you can pick like, oh, I, you know, I always at two o'clock, I'm so tired. Like, I really don't want to talk to like, you know, my head of HR that day at that time, maybe then you pick, can, if you're able to adjust things, like think about how you can block your calendar to make it better for yourself. Obviously that would then lead to your energy levels being maintained more effectively. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting because it probably, I guess, has something to do with the fact that you might be able to also do things to replenish your energy. So if you have more autonomy over your scheduling and control, you might be able to be like, okay, I need to get up and take a break or I need to take a walk or I need to do, you know what I mean? Like you might be able Mm -hmm. to do like little things to actually replenish your energy if you're able to control what is happening to you over the course of the day. So I'd imagine that that has something to do with it. Yeah, I think, I think it a hundred percent does. So autonomy, is huge. And I think, um, as an individual person kind of looking at this research, number one, figure out your chronotype. And number two, if you're able to adjust your plans throughout your day to match your chronotype, that's what you should be focusing on as an organization or leaders, you know, really think about, um, providing that autonomy, allowing employees to, kind of create some flexibility in their day to adjust things, maybe plan their own meetings or schedules a bit, Um, give them the flexibility to say no to a meeting at a time where they're going to be exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Those types of things can really help. Plus, of course, making sure workloads are not outrageous. Yeah, that makes sense. So try to address the problem at the root where you can, which means either shifting people's work schedules to align with their chronotype or decreasing the amount of work that they're doing. And if you can't do that, trying to make sure that at least whatever amount of sleep you can get is of higher quality and that you're giving people some control over their day to be able to kind of cope with the fact that they may have gotten uh, sleep that was not ideal or to just sort of handle whatever they have coming their way. Yep, exactly. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's like a very simple piece, but I think some really, really solid takeaways just kind of summarizing a bunch of things that we've talked about before. Yeah, well, I also think that uh, it's important because I think this happens a lot with scientific research where there are these like piecemeal studies. This study says this is good for you. This study says this is good for you. And like, that's all true. It's not that it's not true, but it's hard to be like, okay, but if I have a limited amount of time or like a limited amount of headspace Mm -hmm. to prioritize something, like what do I pick? And so I think that this is super helpful in sort of pitting these things against each other and saying like, okay, in a pinch, this is where you should focus. Yeah. And I'll definitely put that chronotype research in the, um, Oh my gosh. Show notes. <laughs> like, what am I? I almost said in my, in our bio, like this is an Instagram, but, um, <laughs> no worries. I knew I'll what you put were thinking. That link. <laughs> yeah. I'll add the link into the show notes. Um, as well as some of the other topic areas if you're interested, but yeah, I totally agree. It's really good to kind of see how does this play out when you compare it to other things and, you know, chronotype number one, um, really I would say number two is providing autonomy. The number three mm-hmm. is sleep quality minus, and good 
good healthy workload and not too much. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think this is super helpful. I'm really glad that you found this article. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I hope everyone else that's listening enjoyed it as well. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or anything, you'd always find us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can check out our website, workerbeing.com on social media, as well as our community, workerbeing.com slash community. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Thank you.